there are different fronts, like I said before, there are different fronts and there are different ways that this can this can happen. Um, and and, they, and one of the ways to do it is economics as well, right? No, no, no. But we got, hold on, wait, wait, brother, hold on. So I said, I got to do this. Um, listen, because we, we got a bunch of calls that are, that are in. Well, I understand. No, that's okay. But, but understand, what I want you to know is what you said is very valuable. And we're going to take that in the, after the NPR break, and we're going to expound on that. Okay, we're going to expound and we're going to expand on that um, just after NPR. Okay, but we gotta we gotta um, we gotta consider the fact that we have some other people who are calling in. So yes, we're going to talk to everybody after the break on NPR. This is Walter with the second, the voice of the Tampa Bay area, along with the members of the Fourth Estate crew, right here on eighty-eight point five WMNF. NPR is up next. We'll be right back. WMNF Tampa. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Louise Schiavone. The House January 6th committee tomorrow is expected to vote on at least two criminal referrals against former President Trump. They include obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress and conspiracy to defraud the United States. NPR's Mara Eliason has details. NPR can confirm that the committee will take up at least two charges. The first, obstruction of an official congressional proceeding, stems from Trump's efforts on January 6th to encourage his supporters to march to the Capitol to stop Congress from certifying the official count of electors. The second, conspiracy to defraud the U.S., is based on Trump's repeated lies that he was the true winner of the 2020 election and his efforts to pressure government officials to overturn that election, this despite being told repeatedly by his aides that he had lost. These referrals carry no legal weight in and of themselves, but they could influence the Department of Justice, which is pursuing its own criminal investigation of the former president. Mara Eliason, NPR News. A second San Antonio Starbucks store has joined the national three-day unfair labor practices strike. It's one of nearly 100 Starbucks on strike in the U.S. Texas Public Radio's Josh Peck has more. A Starbucks store in northern San Antonio joined the strike in an expression of solidarity, according to one of the store's organizers, Parker Davis. He said this strike action, which is the first time his store has worked in concert with others in this way, opens the door to making their union effort about more than just their store. I definitely think that it starts us being more interlinked with stores, not just in the San Antonio area, but um, across our region and across the nation. Workers at his store and others are on strike protesting Starbucks' alleged union-busting efforts, which includes the targeted closing of union stores. Davis's store is one of six unionized Starbucks stores in the San Antonio area. I'm Josh Peck in San Antonio. Fans throughout Argentina are anxiously waiting for today's final World Cup match against France. NPR's Kerry Khan has the latest from Buenos Aires, where fans are depending upon a win. The city has set up giant screens around the sprawling capital for fans to enjoy the game. There hasn't been much to celebrate of late. Inflation here is heading toward 100%. The vice president was just convicted of corruption, and the peso is practically worthless. When jokingly asked what she would choose, inflation to go down or the cup today, waitress Mar- Maria Rosa Rodriguez doesn't hesitate. Que gane Argentina. A win, she says, we're already used to so much inflation, but not winning. All eyes are on superstar Lionel Messi. The team's captain is often criticized in the soccer-crazed country for never bringing home the cup. At 35, he says it's his last time trying. The nation hopes this is his year. Kerry Khan, NPR News, Buenos Aires. This is NPR. The British government plans to draft more than 2,000 members of the armed forces and civil service to cover for ambulance and border force staff staging walkouts over Christmas. From London, Vicky Barker reports on what's being called Britain's winter of discontent. The government says the military personnel and civil servants will help plug the gaps left when some 10,000 ambulance staff and 1,000 border staff stage one-day walkouts between now and New Year's. Rail workers are also holding more one-day strikes, including on Christmas Eve. In an op-ed piece for the Sun tabloid, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak calls the rail workers' union chief the Grinch, who's stolen Christmas for millions of Brits. But if anything, the union seemed to be doubling 
doubling down on their threats of further walkouts until management and the government do more to address the impact the country's rapidly rising cost of living is having on their workers. For NPR News, I'm Vicki Barker in London. The United Nations Biodiversity Conference convening in Montreal concludes tomorrow with participants from close to 200 countries hoping to have mapped out an approach to preserving global species of all kinds. The broad goal is the protection of 30 percent of the Earth's land and marine areas within the next seven years. The question is how to do it and the price tag on projects to achieve that end. Scientists warn that without action, hundreds of plant and animal species could be in their last days on this planet of 8 billion people. I'm Louise Schiavone, NPR News, Washington. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Wallace Foundation, working to develop and share practices that can improve learning and enrichment for young people and the vitality of the arts for everyone. Ideas and information at wallacefoundation.org. WMNF is kicking off the new year by bringing back Chuck Prophet. His wit and wisdom combined with great vocals makes this show a must. Chuck Prophet Trio steps on stage January 11th at Skipper's Smokehouse. Tickets are on sale now. $20 in advance, $25 at the door. Guitars and drums inside for the line. The Chuck Prophet Trio, January 11th at Skipper's Smokehouse. Buy your ticket now by calling 813-238-8001 or online at WMNF.org. It's a marathon. Hi there, this is Marvin from the Rhythm Revival every Friday on WMNF 88.5. My co-host, Reverend Billy Seawerks, is going to be live and in person as he opens for Marsha Ball at Skipper's Smokehouse on Friday, January 13th. Tickets and more information can be found at skipperssmokehouse.com. Hello, I'm Mark Perfetti, co-host of the Live Music Showcase and Step Outside on WMNF. Want to give the gift of live music this holiday season? For a donation of just $100, you can have two tickets to our shows of Chuck Prophet on January 11th and the Harlem Gospel Travelers on February 10th. Both shows are at Skipper Smokehouse in Tampa. For the gift that keeps on giving, go to WMNF.org slash events. And we're back right here on the Sunday Forum. WMNF 8.5. Tampa, Sarasota, St. Pete. This is your host, Walter L. Smith II, the voice of the Tampa Bay area. And I want to take a moment and say, you know, to everybody out there, if you if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. Uh, happy Kwanzaa to all the brothers and sisters out there. Um, and and uh, what else do we have? Han- Hanukkah. Hanukkah. Just yeah. started, too. Happy Hanukkah. Um, what is it? Oh, just what? started. Just started. Mm-hmm. Just start. Hanukkah, Hanukkah just started. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Okay. Good. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. I also want to give a shout out to Brittany Griner for being back for the holidays out of a Russian gulag. Hello. Yes. Hello. Mm-hmm. What a what an experience. Yeah. I hope I hope she's able to, as a black woman, as a black woman, to tell us what her experience yeah. was. That, that we know up. she had to cut her hair because it was oh, so cold man. every time she took a shower. Yeah, I was really shocked to see, <laughs> yeah. to see her oh, haircut. Oh, my and the fact God. That she's, you know, she only spent nine months instead of nine years. I'm just elated that that happened. But it but probably I, felt like years. It probably did. Probably it probably did. did, given the, you know, the danger. Mm-hmm. Mm. And she was a political prisoner, really. But the fact that a black woman from the United States has to feel like she has to go to Russia to make money because the United States doesn't support women's sports. You know, WNBA hasn't shown, hasn't gotten any support. So she felt like she had to go to Russia. And, you know, that is a shame. But hopefully... That's not that's, the first time that that's happened, though, really. I'm no. sorry to interrupt you. I, I, no, go ahead. But I'm sorry. That's not the first time that's ever happened in, in our history. You know, Josephine Baker, what, what did she do? 
Right. I mean, this you is know, a, this is a problem. I mean, in modern time, WNBA right? in particular. But yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. A lot of entertainers over the decades yeah. have had to go to to Europe to get attention yeah. instead of right here at home. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's and that's and she is amongst the, that number now. That that is that is actually a very sad uh, commentary. Yeah, but yeah. she got a lot of negative feedback too about about it. They were. A lot of people didn't feel that Biden should have got her out. They should have got the other guy out and <laughs> about that she hates America just because she didn't stand during the national anthem. Just because oh, she didn't man, stand right whatever, wing. man. They so, the man. right Kiss wing. They're going to have to react to everything. Whatever. Right. Big deal. <laughs> even if they had gotten Paul Whelan out, they still would have been mad about something. I know. Yeah, so man, just whatever. ignore that. You know, and, and they don't know what Biden is still working on. I know. And yeah, that's the thing. that They're always judging him instead of, you know... Working for it. Yeah. Working with him. But, you know, I, I do him. understand that Vladimir Putin loves this movie. It was reported like 20 years ago. He loves a movie about a prisoner exchange. So he's been waiting to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, he's one of, the, he's one of his moment of yeah, glory to be able to say he did. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> so well, they are all playing politics and she was a political pawn. Right. Well, and I want to make a, a shout out. Well, not shout out, but uh, give condolences to Twitch's family. Oh uh, yes, he he, uh, yes. he passed. Um, what what day was it? Was it Monday or t- Tuesday? Of, Tuesday of, must of have been suicide. Tuesday. So uh, let me tell you, he was a trainer. He was my niece's trainer. Really? Oh, really? Yeah. He she oh. yeah he uh, he worked with her. She's a, she's an excellent dancer. Mm-hmm. Excellent dancer. Um, it, you know. I, I, I watched her grow into this thing, and it is like, wow. Yeah. And and that's because of his training. Uh, you know, he I was really, an incredible dancer. Oh my God, this guy was great, and yeah. I can't I can't even believe, I can't even believe that that this happened, right? This suicide. I yeah. got a problem with suicide, bro, because only only hours before, he was given a very positive message. Now, you know, you can't really tell what happens in a person's life. He, they did say he left a suicide note yeah, saying and he, he renewed it to something in the past. Couldn't take it anymore or something. Yeah, it was, I, yeah. It's sad. It's, uh, it is. You know, and he, and he, it happens around holidays. I know. What What is that? Why does that always happen that way? That's crazy. But, man. I mean, his wife, I feel sorry for her and the, their kids because mm-hmm. now they're going to, I mean, she's going to. Not have her husband and his kids are not going to have have him around. It's uh, you just you don't know what someone's going through, right. you know. And mental health is a serious thing. It is not a joke like people think it is. It's really, I mean, it's not. It's people not. people are going through it right now. So, um, you know, yep. anyone who does struggle with mental health, please, you know, just just call call the suicide hotline. And don't don't. Uh, Please don't resort to to that. It's, it's yeah. it, it, there's a there's another way. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it is. So you know, right. uh, condolences to his family. Right, absolutely. Um, the uh, let, let me also give shout out to uh, uh, brother Quinn Gray, senior. My man Quinn Gray from FAMU is the new head football coach at Albany State University. I'm very happy to see that. Fellow Rattler, fellow um, gridironer. Um, you know, I'm very glad to see that. Uh, he had a, he had a, uh, a decent uh, NFL career, but he is now the head football coach of Albany State. What team did he play for in the NFL? Uh, I believe Quinn played for Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Okay. Jacksonville, what? Jaguars. Listen, listen, listen to this right here. What That's was, exactly right. There what, we go. Was, what was his uh, position? Quarterback. Oh, okay. Quarterback, yep. yep. What years? Um, early 90s. I, I I can't remember exactly when. You know, it was it was in it was in the 90s. What's his name? Quinn Gray. I'll, I'll look it up. Quinn Gray. And, uh, you know, we, we could talk about this another time. Uh, and get some perspectives on on the whole Deion Sanders thing. I, you know, <laughs> I'm happy for the brother. I'm glad he's in Colorado, man. Yeah. He's doing his thing. I'm not I'm not worried about what. Listen, he made he made a real big contribution to Jackson State. You right. can't spend yeah. spend his whole Especially life. Especially his son. Yeah, right? Shadour. 
If it should do, and, and if you want to follow his daddy, all right, cool. What am I going to do about that? Big deal. That man, you know what he did for other kids? Right. Come on, what he did for that university? He up and, and for black colleges as a whole. Right. And what they he almost had a win yesterday against North Carolina Central. Come on. They almost won. They went into overtime. <laughs> Come on. And, you know, overtime is tricky, so they ended up losing. But it was his last game. It was, it was uh, prime times, Coach Prime Times' last game at yeah. Jackson State. That's right. That's right. I hate, I hate that, that that incident happened with Eddie Jackson. Uh, Eddie Robinson. I really hate that that happened. Oh, where he um, dissed him after the game? Yeah, well, he, he dissed that man after the game. Yeah. Man, come on, bro. And and, and then, then the, the press conference was horrible. That was terrible. I really hated that that happened. You know, yeah. Eddie, I'm sorry, man, but that that was bad, man. That was, that was in bad taste, bro. Um, but it happened. Let's, let's move on. Hey, we got some more calls on the line. We are talking about liberation. Liberation, and and I th- I think it's something that, and we talk about liberation every weekend, right? Mm-hmm. Every every Sunday we talk about liberation in one form or another, but we especially talking about it from the standpoint of our communities and protecting our communities um, from from environmental racism. There's a, there's and, something else too going on, Walter. Before we go back to the telephone lines locally, the city council, Tampa City Council, is uh, is going to. Get us try to propose charter changes to Hello. the city's charter. Hello. And one of the issues that I like to draw people's attention to is there's a, an amendment to require the city pay for an independent attorney for the citizen review board, the police mm-hmm. oversight panel. And this attorney would not be a city employee. So that seems like a positive aspect. One of the changes to the charter that we're going to be voting on. And so I just wanted to draw people's attention to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, the organization that I'm in, Tampa Bay Community Action Committee, will actually be, uh, campa- I guess, campaigning or um, we'll be going around the communities and making sure that people know about this to vote either to vote it in because this is a very important step. Um, for police accountability in Tampa. And I mean, we saw the resignation of the police chief over... Uh, yeah. <laughs> over that her privilege. If that didn't prompt you to understand that there's a need for this to take place, I don't know what else is. I, I got to tell you. And it's just, that's like one tiny example that took Please. about two months for Justin Garcia to like dig up and get. People were ignoring his request for information, for months and months, and you can see him on. Thank you, Justin. <laughs> no, literally, thank you. You can. That's see my him. main man. That's my main man, <laughs> Justin. Listen, Justin got me. You know, I <laughs> I was driving home one day in Ebor, right? So I'm going down Seventh Avenue, and I see Justin on the side of the road with a series of signs. And this video, this right. So he's right there uh, across the street from the Border Patrol office, right on Seventh Avenue, and it's a bunch of people out there. And uh, uh, they saw me pass by. They're like, "Hey, Walt!" And I and, and and I saw him. And I beeped the horn, and I pulled up, turned around, made a U-turn, and I parked right. And I got out there and I grabbed the sign. I'm standing up there next to Justin. And it's Justin, Justin and I have been at least in in, in in different protest situations together, man. And that's my main man. I love Justin, man. <laughs> Shout out to Justin, bro. <laughs> well, they got to make this improvement, the final vote on the amendment on January the 5th, and the voters will get the way in on March 7th. Yes, 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 yes. Absolutely. Um, we have got to get this through. Mm-hmm. That, that's the first step in, in getting what we really want. Right. Cause that- getting that subpoena power. Because how I describe it, because a lot of people say this, the uh, Citizens Review Board has no teeth to it, which I think, you know, that's a fun and fine metaphor. Right? Um, it, it truly has no power. What it is, it it looks like closed cases yeah. and it says... It's already been reviewed. Like, like, oh, we think this punishment or this like shit was not severe enough or too severe. And then they give it to the police chief and then the police chief can just look at it. And that's all That's all they have to do. There's no acknowledgement. There's no change that's made. And this is a board where uh, citizens of Tampa can go up and make complaints about officers who are abusing them. And for them to have no power, and it's just like 
what they do is send memos all day that nobody has to answer to. So with independent counsel, it kind of gives them legs to just move a little bit away from just the power of the city. It gives them um, an, a lawyer who's not in conflict with them, who's not defending the person that they're supposed to be investigating. Right. Um, and so I, with this very small example of the police chief abusing her power like what what else is happening what else hasn't been uncovered and so we need something that has actual power that um and for the members of that board to not have conflict of interest as well and i'm not sure if they do currently or not but um like moving forward to make sure that nobody um is abusing the purpose of that board or trying to stifle the people from gaining actual power. Right. Because, like, right now... What? what? <laughs> there, there, is, there is this real fear of, 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 of the power of the people. It like, sure is. We put you there. So th- From the mayor on down, <laughs> we put you there. Like, like, why are you acting like this didn't happen? Now, right. I'm looking at you guys in, in Facebook land. Stop acting like this didn't happen. Right, right now, the, we voted. the people, what they do for the power of the people, it's the power of input. Right. <laughs> I'm like, what's your input? Fill out the survey. <laughs> <laughs> Fill out the survey that we've only, like, posted on a flyer in, like, three right. different locations. <laughs> I believe right. So, Ooh. right now, we, we're working towards people power rather than the power of input. <laughs> right. With your fist in the air. <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, so let, let's let's get back to the cause that we have. Um, you know, as we, as we talk about this, I am I am reminded of um, Ambassador John Waller. Those of you who don't know this, I, I encourage you to read about this man. John Waller was actually a he was the first black ambassador to the, uh, U.S. ambassador to the to the country of Madagascar, right? And he was powerful. When I say powerful, um, this man literally, he was a slave at one time from Kansas area. And, um, and he was a businessman. And he had, had several businesses. He was a lawyer, the whole nine. And he ended up going to, uh, to Madagascar, being, being sent to Madagascar by the President of the United States. And as and 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 this is in the eighteen hundreds, by the way. Okay, mm-hmm. so so late eighteen hundreds, he sent to Madagascar as the ambassador to Mad- to the country. And understand, at the time, Madagascar was a French colony. Okay, France. Yes, you did have colonies. Don't don't stop acting like you didn't have them. Um, and so they so they go off and and you know he challenges. He goes there and he challenges the French colonial system. Com- completely challenged it. How does he do it? He set up business. It was the first time that business was set up from a black American and by a black American for black for anybody really, but especially black people to do business in Madagascar. Mm-hmm. This happened. Now, mind you, the second that this happens, the French colony, and he, he does everything he can to break down the colonial system and to, and because he saw the, the, the cruelty of the system and how they had gone in and just destroyed basically everything that, that was, that was, you know, from the people and of the people of Madagascar. And so as he's setting this thing up and he's paying people to work there, they're like, oh no. This can't happen, and they start charging him with uh, with uh, uh, I forget what it was, uh, but they, they come up with criminal charges, right? They start trumping up criminal charges against this guy, and they put him in a French a French colonial jail, prison, right? And they put him on a ship. They 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 shackle him, right? They put him on a ship like a like a slave, right? And they send him to France. And the president of the United States is like, oh no, this can't happen. We gotta, we gotta cut this down. You need to send him back. This cannot happen, right? 
And they and so they cut a deal with him and said, you know, he can't come back to to mm-hmm. Madagascar. Can't do it. Otherwise, you know, we're gonna put him back or we're gonna execute him or something like that. So they said, All right, whatever. And Wallace was like, No, I'm not I don't care what, what you do, you're not gonna do this. But we got to, we gotta get you home. So they get up, they get him back home and um, you know, he 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 goes down basically in obscurity in black history. In in, in any history. I, I don't know of anybody who knew about this man. Well, that's what, like, after Reconstruction, they covered up a bunch of, like... Oh, black politicians sh- yes. and things. Oh, yes. Yes, like we were talking stuff. about, like, the sheer amount of, like, the fact that there are more black people in positions of power after the Civil yes. War than there is yes. right now, like, 2022 yeah. right now. Yeah. And that's just absolutely crazy. Because yeah. they were making actual change and I guess, liberation is something. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that John just Waller. like. Yeah, I, I, you know, guys, please... Check out John Waller. Read his read his biography. Please check out anything. There there are actually um, there are only only a few of them uh, actual documentaries about his life. Read about it, please. I'm telling you, you don't want to o- overlook this man. You really must read his his history. It's a very outstanding history. I was I didn't know about him uh, until probably five years ago. And you know, I, I'm I'm, a, I'm literally a black historian, and I'm sitting here like, wait a minute, I didn't know anything about this guy. No one ever talks about him. Yeah, we're, we've been an invisible people. I mean, that's just the history in this country. I mean, I also, Walter, would like one day for us to talk about the Black Russian. Yes, the incredible story of Frederick Bruce Thomas, who was born in here, uh, was born in Mississippi, but of course, after he killed his father. He chose an unusual place to go to, and that was Russia. But, of course, the Bolshevik Revolution wiped him out. But he became the Sultan of Jazz and Turkey. But this is just an incredible story. But someday we'll talk about that, too. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. We are going to talk about that. Well, um, the caller that we had before, he's on. He's still on air. Do we... Oh, okay, so. oh, 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 looks like we got... Yeah. Uh, anyway... So, We'll go. We'll go to the other callers. Um, <clears throat> caller, you on the Sunday forum? Yeah, hoodoo. Uh, hoodoo. What's going on, my brother African? What's going on, brother African? Uh, it's uh, good to hear your voice, man. You sound strong. Thank you, brother. I feel strong. Feel strong. What's up? That's what's up, man. I really want to appreciate the program. Now, I will say I've been on hold, you know, since before NPR. Uh, can you remind me of what our topic is? It's All right. A lot of discussion. We, we are talking about black liberation again, as as usual. Um, but today, right. what we're dealing with is the 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 fight for control of our our energy and 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 the environmental racism and, and injustice that takes place with regard to that because of the the uh, the the think tank we had yesterday. There were a lot of very good points that were brought up, and one of the and one of the main points was how do you resolve uh, these issues with you know for us by us with regard to this this type of liberation this type of uh, defense of our communities with these with these uh, runoffs and that are poisoning our communities and so forth how how, how do we do it that's that's an incredible question and I wouldn't pretend to have the answer but I, I will just uh, as Malcolm X once said. Of all our studies, history is best qualified to reward our research. And, you know, I'm not saying he said it first, but uh, I remember him saying it a few times in a few speeches. And um, I'm going to say something, you know, along those lines in a minute uh, in an attempt to uh, suggest what in uh, history has been uh, an answer to uh, the question you posed, but before I get to that, I just want to say I really appreciate the brother who I believe is still on the phone. You know, he was the caller right before the break. I just really appreciate his energy and his insight and foresight and um, even his willingness to um, sacrifice his life for our people. I, you know, and like you, you know, I certainly don't want our dear brother to die. But it, it did, you know, it was a refreshing kind of thing to hear somebody who, um, you know, you know, people say 
Christian and be like Jesus, right? Jesus, you know, you know, he was going to die right around 33 or something like that. They had a death plan, but, you know, a lot of these people who call themselves preachers, you know, they have pension plans, you know, and they, they're trying to hold on. But to hear a young brother who, uh, you know, although he, he didn't say he wanted to die, he said he was willing to die. And we don't want him to die, but I just really appreciate the courage and the passion and the insight uh, that their brother's uh, uh, with which that brother spoke a bit ago. And in that vein, I'll say the answer to your question is we got to do it ourselves. Claiming power is about claiming territory. I mean, any revolutionary knows that. You know, you don't, you don't, you don't have to even keep it a secret. It's in books. You know, they make books about it. And, you know, uh, it's about claiming territory. Mm. And so um, if we don't want it running, you know, this way, then we got to do something to make sure it don't run that way. Um, no, I don't know. Beavers know how to do it, you know, uh, and I don't know if the if beavers are as intelligent as we are, are supposed to be. Maybe they're smarter, but, you know, they, they figure out a way to make it go the other way and at least don't come down this way. And, um, you know, we, we, we just have to claim territory with the kind of fearlessness, uh, cautious, of course, but with the kind of fearlessness with which that brother who... Uh, got on the phone a bit ago, like right before the break, uh, uh, spoke. I mean, you know, we, we gotta do it ourselves. We can't leave it up to Chico, uh, you know, uh, the, the goodwill of, uh, you know, some, some nice white person or something like that. We gotta do it ourselves. We gotta do it ourselves. I mean, right. you know, I heard something in North Carolina, I think it was like some people figured out, I don't know what the beef was, but they figured out how to shut down the whole power grid. Shut down the whole damn power grid. Didn't get no power. You know, uh, claiming territory. You know, and I'm not saying I'm not saying anybody should do anything, you know, destructive. What I'm saying is beavers build dams to, to make things work out better for them. And uh, you know, I don't think that's anybody could think that could be destructive. And we have to do for ourselves what we must do for ourselves and not, you know, depend on the goodwill of others to um, to save our lives. Absolutely. I, I, you know what? Let me let me interject the point, because this is that what you said is very is very real. Clearly. Um, and, and, and literally claiming territory is, is a, is, is what needs to happen. And when we talk about that and doing for ourselves, one of the, one of the points of discussion yesterday during the think tank was literally establishing a microgrid, right? Microgrid being basically setting up a generator, so to speak, in our own communities in order to be able to supply power in times of crisis, right? Um, that is run by us for us, right? Instead of having to depend on the uh, uh, the energy company to do it for us where it takes forever for them to get to us. And so that's a, I mean, that's a step in the right direction as far as that's concerned because when and not if, but when, we are able to weatherize the homes in our communities and be able to put solar power on those homes, then we're able to trans, you know, transfer over to whatever it is, but we're in control of everything up until then. Uh, and then you know, whatever negotiations have to happen or whatever has to happen in order to make uh, keep us in control of that power, then we can do that. You I think Zico's going to give up control? Hell no. Well, <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, look, we're going to have to fight for that one, too. But go ahead. Go ahead, Life. I'm sorry, brother. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all good. I just want to say, and I appreciate that. One of the things that I, I believe is, um, like, just take West Tampa. You know, I, I wanted to say East Tampa, but I know, you know, you got this thing for West Tampa, as you rightfully should. Um, but, you know, just say everybody in West Tampa, man, um, just donated $10. Uh, uh, <laughs> for solar power for a certain area of yes. West Tampa for this month or hey, right. this quarter, this, this quarter, and then you know the next quarter everybody else donate ten dollars, and then we you know outfit all the homes with solar in that you know in that area, and then you know and hey, I'm saying we can do it ourselves, brother. Yes, if absolutely. We, but we, a lot of I mean we you know we depend a lot of us seem to depend on other people to do stuff for us and, and, and like, blame them for not doing it. <laughs> like, you know, they ain't do it. You know, and something like that. But uh, in my view, uh, we we should know that we, it, it, all, all it takes is discipline, dedication, and, of course, uh, revolutionary leadership 
and and we can accomplish anything we want to accomplish. We can make these people obsolete. They don't. We, we don't. They don't invite us to their meetings. We don't have to invite them to our meetings. We don't have to ask them permission to you know do what we got to do for ourselves. You know, let's raise the damn money, get stolen stuff, and make it up, make them obsolete. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. There's also a discussion that we had yesterday that you'd be interested in. Um, and that was, and, and thank you, brother. I appreciate your call. Uh, Uhuru, brother. Uhuru. Um, one of the things that we, that we spoke of yesterday was the, and I'm not sure if you were there at that particular point, um, but we spoke of the mobilization of the people to, to go into the meeting, the stockholders meeting. Uh, and the only way to do that is to be a stockholder. Now, um, the example I gave was uh, being able to infiltrate uh, by control, by economic control. So how do you do that? Well, how you do that is you you do invest in the in the listen to me. You invest in the product that is owned by the enemy and take over, right? You invest somewhere so. That before it's over with, you're the one that's speaking in the meetings, and you're not just speaking in the meetings, but you're influencing because now ultimately, you know, you got there's enough money in our community that we can do that, and like I mean, it's happened before, it's happened before, and we can we can do that, and that is that is something that that actually forces them to take a second look. Remember, Tico's not controlled by Tico, Tico's controlled by Emera. It's owned by a whole nother company out of a whole nother country. This our neighboring country, which is Nova Scotia and Canada. Consider that if we if we were to take funds, which is what, fifty fifty one dollars? And that, you know, fifty one dollars a share. Imagine that. People coming together and putting their money together and getting shares. And you get enough shares that you your control is like astronomical at this particular point, right? And then that's it. I mean, I mean, nobody wants to be associated with something that's doing that's doing something bad, right? I'm gonna I'm push back, push back. <laughs> I want to hear the pushback. I want to hear the pushback. I guess my my I I I don't know. I got <laughs> um, a part-time job, which pays me $15 an hour. I'm not sure I want to spend $51 <laughs> <laughs> on a share. But I guess my main thing is if everybody, I, I, I guess I don't think that's the most important part to push back or even attack on. Like, I think the most crazy part about Tico is that it is it has a monopoly within itself. Like, yes, electrical systems have a monopoly within the area, but they also, like, where where they buy the gas from is also themselves. So they're always profiting off of themselves. themselves. They're paying themselves. And the, I guess my, you know, theory here that they why they haven't gone into solar power, this, then, the other, is because they don't have control over that area yet. So they may have some, like, background plans. I don't know. I don't know what I you know I'm just coming into this conversation but they have no monopoly over that. They have no control over that. And so what I think what you know from the struggles that I've been in here in Tampa for against um you know fighting for progressive change in Tampa and what I've seen other people do in terms of their community is getting public oversight over this because this is a public Product, whether they want to admit it or not, like yes, we're customers. Yes, they're a private company, but they supply all of Tampa. It's a public entity at this point, right? But it's just like legally laws and this and the other. And you know, I'm from Jacksonville, where JEA is a public entity. Exactly. And you know, one of the reasons they don't have super controls because there's other entities like um, the paper mills that go, go up river, which like pollute stuff. But anyways. Um, you know, my take your turns. <laughs> Let's take turns and pollute. <laughs> um, that you know, there was major pushback when the city wanted to sell JEA from the public, and the public was saying, "No, we want control over this. We want <laughs> yeah. to be able to say when our trash is going to be picked up, how our water is clean, this and the other." And so JEA remains, um, you know, public. And I think 
you know, I don't know how it to be achieved, but for there to be public power over this entity would be helpful. I'm not sure how much like getting stocks. The public, the public power is 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 even more powerful when it shows its economic might. Consider that if you, and I'm not suggesting, for instance, in this particular case, that you take, (laughs) you know, your check and you go. Right. And do something like that. I mean, if you can't afford it, you can't afford it. But that's why that's where the power of the people comes in, right? That's that's exactly right. The, the idea would be to get organized. Exactly. I mean, in order to do anything, especially shareholding, you would be, it would be behoove us to do it as an organized entity, not as an individual. See, I believe exactly. in the shareholding the other way around, where it's economic strife, but in a strike form. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to shut it down economically, but that requires to be in, uh, to talk with the workers. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which, they, which they put them, they shut them down mm-hmm. already with the NDAs and mm-hmm. everything else. So they don't want a lot to search for them. Trust me, I know because I've searched. <laughs> and and it's like it's it's rough. It's hard to do. You, I mean, nobody mm-hmm. nobody wants to talk, right? Right, because their jobs are on the line. Right, their lives their jobs are on the lives line. On, exactly. Now you have some that will say stuff to me, and they're like, you know, listen, man, you can t- you know this is what's happening. Uh, or this is what has happened. And some people, I don't care. Some people just don't care. Well, you know, and they're like, they're, because they're pissed, what happened to them? Mm-hmm. You Walter, know? in the run-up to the midterm elections, we had been hearing threats, threat reports, threat assessments about attacks on power grids. Yeah. And uh, we've seen, <laughs> uh, now that they didn't get their red wave, that that's been happening. And it also has been happening here. We understand that one of our local, a couple of our local power grids, there were people who went in and did some sabotage work. They didn't do like in other places where they just shot, they they used firearms and shot up the place, but they right. went in as if they were insiders, as if they had worked there or had some insider knowledge about how to sabotage the uh, the works down there, especially down in Big Ben. What do you Man, think about that? let me just tell you, first of all, let me just, let me just go ahead and say this now. I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that right there. Tico, we might have our problems. Not different, but I did not do that. Uh, so let's go ahead and get that out of the way. Uh, I, you know, it was bound to happen at some point. It, it's, it's inevitable. Listen, let me, America is no different from any other country when it comes to this. We need to stop thinking that, that this, is, this can't happen. You understand what I'm saying? And be, it's because we keep thinking that this can't happen that we that we we weaken ourselves. Well, but that's the reason why I started out talking about the fusion power plant. Maybe that'll be a little harder to attack. Yeah, yeah. Ain't nobody <laughs> trying to attack that like that, bro. Yeah. I mean, so so many things can go seriously wrong with that. <laughs> but alluding to one of our earlier callers, you know, this is how we've you know we've we've always resisted in a positive way and. Yeah. In that in as life was alluding to having our own, we've always done that, and that's what they've attacked. Look right. at Black Wall Street, and we've seen that there are people all over the country today who are trying to recall Black Wall Street and recreate it. You know, we've seen in, in Philadelphia, we see a family in in Tulsa itself today who just closed a seven-figure deal to create, well, actually, not in, not in Tulsa, this, this, this family, this black family is in Mississippi mm-hmm. who are going to, who just closed a seven-figure deal on a strip mall location to open up the, the beginnings of a Black Wall Street there. I think this is what has always been, we have always resisted by our success. Yes. And that's what's been attacked. Absolutely. You see the same thing happening Absolutely. in other places, uh, like like I said, Philadelphia's Africa town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but you know, St. Louis. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you know, when, uh, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about those towns that were that are that they found out those black towns that are underwater, mm-hmm. right? That that they built over, or many of them are like literally mm-hmm, underwater. The springs, yeah. Like in Georgia. And St. Louis, they built the archway over a black town that they had just wiped out completely. Uh, you know, and, and, and I mean, you know, right. in Tulsa, 
not to, well, not to, well, you know, everybody knows about Tulsa. Uh, right here in Okoye. Yeah. Okoye, Florida. Yeah. Rose, uh, Rosewood. Rosewood. Any excuse at all to go in. And usually it has something to do with a white woman. Well, that's the lie. That's the you, lie that's put forth. They don't need any woman, excuses. It's the, it's, the, it's the fact that there's black success. Yeah. And that's what they attack. They use the white woman as a trope, but that's not what they were mad about. They were mad about black success. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Let's go to the calls. We got a bunch of calls here. But that, that's a trip, man. That is a trip. My son actually wrote a paper about that the other like a couple of years ago. Caller, you're on the Sunday forum. What's your share? Hey, how you doing? Uh, okay. All right. Uh, do, do you do you have us on speaker? No, I got you on a regular uh, call here. I mean, um, okay, because you you kind of have a lot of static or background noise. I don't. I no, don't... I I you know I hear some noise. I don't know if it's coming for you. It's stuff. I don't know where it's going. I'm sitting huh. in the car right it's now, and uh, maybe somebody that won't don't want to hear from me and. And then want me to, to, to deliver that message about the. Uh, you, you, you think know, you could call back because it's like I'll this. Call, I'll call right back. All right. Call right back now. So, okay. Let's go to the next caller. We'll, uh, we'll... Ca- caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Hey, um, I know I'm breaking the rules, but I'm going to get off real quick. Uh, one of your callers, I believe it was life. What we need to understand, and what they're beginning to understand that in North Carolina, that uh, those power stations. They were shot up. They believe it was white supremacists. So they deprived black, uh, white, Latino, uh, whoever else of power during this winter season mm-hmm. for doing that. So um, whatever sick, you know, mind that they would have, that's why they did what they did. They shot up. It's like, you know, with, with this political climate that we're in right now, just look what's going on in Georgia. Um they created the primaries to really slap back at black folks, you know, who could possibly win um, off seats and stuff. But now they found that that's wrong. Now they want to do away with the primaries. It's like no matter what they do, we still find a way to rise above it all. You know, just wanted to throw yeah. that out there. Y'all have a good day. Good point. Appreciate Thank you, brother. Thanks. Appreciate you. All right. Next right, um, call. Caller, you're on the Sunday Forum. I'm back. All right, there you go, there you go. Better. How you doing, Doc? I don't know. I'm fine, fine, fine. I don't know if somebody wanted to, to keep me off of uh, off from, from speaking my mind this morning. <laughs> I got two things. One thing, you said black story, your story. Remember the, the, the story I told you about David Fagan? That's correct, yes. Philippine, yeah. That was very, a few people yeah, heard I, about that. Yeah. yeah. Very few people heard you know, that this guy was born in Tampa and that he... Uh, Hooked up with Mario Aquinaldo in the Philippines back in 1890, and um, he became a uh, gorilla. <laughs> and uh, and and they looked for him. They were looking for him, and he he never came back. But he he had defected the U.S. Army during the Spanish American War to support the people of the Philippines. And uh, that's a, a very interesting story. That what ha- what 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 happened there. And stuff and, yeah, it uh, is. But anyways, another thing I wanted to point out is this weekend in the news and stuff, and you're within the norms. You know, we talk about Tulsa, then we need to talk about what's happening to our healthcare, our black healthcare providers that they're being targeted by the Drug Enforcement Agency. Mm-hmm. This week, uh, we have Dr. Leslie Pompey of Detroit, Michigan. He's on trial right now, and uh, for being quote uh, again successful anesthesiologist. He's being classified as a drug dealer. And <clears throat> the medication, he is, he's an interventional anesthesiologist, means he works to stop pain. And uh, this is a targeting they're using. And then it was revealed in his case that Michigan Blue Cross Blue Shield uh, concocted this story. You can read this in your within the norms and stuff. And that they fabricated this, and they specifically were targeting. This unit went out to target both black, Asian, and Jewish doctors. And this guy, this guy said this on a trial stand. And that uh, when they came to, to arrest uh, Dr. Pompey, the first thing the guy, Mark Moore, the uh, detective in this case, went in and started teasing him about his education. Yeah, you think you know more than all that. He said this on stand. And so in one case, they had uh, most of the witnesses 
the prosecution witnesses, check this out, have been white and have come out and supported Dr. Pompey. He said he was a good doctor. And in one case, they brought a billing clerk and it outraged the, the, uh, the prosecutor named Wayne Pratt. And in one case, there was a lady named Diane Knight. And just real quick, and, she, and the guy got so mad, Wayne Pratt got so mad, he said, whose side are you on? Uh, Dr. Uh, the Truth or, or Dr. Pompey? And she looked at him, she says, I want you to know, Dr. P- I'm on the side of Dr. Pompey because Dr. Pompey is the truth. And Dr. Pompey is uh, a physician, uh, born in New York, a descendant of Haiti, uh, a Haitian descent, and he came to the Michigan area, Detroit area, to, pr- to practice anesthesiology, and he's been there successful. And again, it's about targeting our success. And if you read our blog, you are within the norms.com, you'll see this, the stories. And there's uh, a white doctors there, Dr. Osterling, for example, was a Fame, was a head of the University of Michigan's urology department. He was attacked by these DEA guys with these twelve-week training courses and stuff. So again, I, I'm just hoping that we, we we read this thing that this all represents uh, these the, uh, all these attacks all uh, uh, tend to occur. We attack those people who have ambition, those people who have a drive, those people who, who refuse to be subjugated, and also attack on our success that he, that uh, that we've had here and our training and in and one imagine this in one second uh, uh the dea or the prosecutor can come in and, and just eviscerate your all your accomplishments destroy today. your entire life what entire life and one by calling you a drug dealer and so what we've proposed to do is that the president of the united states needs to one end this war on drugs end it Today's just signed just like this Nixon war on drugs. And two, you need to take these DEA registrations and move it from the Drug Enforcement Agency to the uh, to the uh, Surgeon General's office or the um, FDA and stuff, and and put a low. And because Congress never intended to for the law enforcement to have control over the the, the field field of medicine, and that's why our case for rehearing on Rule Forty Four. Is before the Supreme Court of the United States, case 226,000. is before the Supreme Court of the United States here. And we're going to fight and fight all. Amen. That's all I have to say. This is a, this Thank you, Doc. Thank you so much, Walter. We appreciate you, man, and we're, we're rooting for you. Brother, uh, please, y'all, please read youarewithinthenorms.com uh, and learn and see what's, what's going on. Support our local uh, medical professionals, we need to make sure that we stop this this thing, and that we're protecting our our medical professionals, and that we stop this medical desert. We got to do this healthcare exactly. desert that we have. So, hey, Doc, thank you very much. Thank you God so bless much. you. Merry Christmas to you, brother. Merry Christmas to you, brother. All right, let's let's go to our next call. Caller, you're on the Sunday forum. Oh. Oh, sorry, okay, I couldn't take that call. <clears throat> okay, all right. Um, we only have a few minutes left. Uh, if you can, we only have time for one call, if at all, right now. But listen, you know, when we talk about this thing, liberation, it takes, it. we, we now are hearing it from all fronts, right? Um, you know, you just heard this from Dr. Uh, Dr. Norman, and, and this is really, really disheartening, right? It's like you can't, you can't win. It's almost like you just cannot win. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can, you can. We will. Uh, I have every every belief that we will. Uh, but we've got to we've got to have uh, people that are on all fronts that are prepared to do what needs to be done to win. We can start by liberating the state from Rhonda. Hmm. <laughs> you know, Rhonda, Rhonda. Name Santis. Rhonda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rhonda. You know, another interesting thing that happened semi-recently was, I don't know if y'all remember the gentleman who came on a couple weeks ago, Dozthor, from from Venezuela. Um, And one of the things that he talked about was this uh, uh, diplomat, Alex Saab, who had been essentially, like, kidnapped by the United States, and his trial started on last Monday. Um, And 
something that was just like what I learned from it. So he was he's a diplomat or a special envoy is the correct term from Venezuela who was on his way to Iran and his like plane stopped in Cape Verde to refuel and he was extradited by Americans and has been in prison for I think 90 days now. Whoa. Um, yeah, and so right now the trial is essentially talking about whether or not he has diplomatic status because it is illegal <laughs> to jail a diplomat on any, <laughs> yeah. on any fronts. Um, and so, you know, from what I've heard about the trial, it seems to just be a push on, like, the Maduro present presidency um, and about and a lot of what's being under investigation is whether or not he is a diplomat if he is if his documents are correct does iran consider him a diplomat (laughs) and this is like the reason why he went to iran was to get to barter to say like we'll give you this that and the other diplomat from where (laughs) this is he's a diplomat from where venezuela okay uh, uh, <laughs> what are we doing with a different in jail in jail and they're saying that he's like money laundering and this that, and the other but when you look at all the documents that was with him during the travel it's saying like the the trade is for um parts for <laughs> like mechanical parts for things because of the sanctions that are being placed on um venezuela where did this man live venezuela <laughs> where is he from <laughs> He's actually from Colombia. <laughs> so that's even worse. That's even worse. So you're a diplomat from Colombia that lives in Venezuela who's going to where? Where was he going? He was going to Iran. But the, no, he's like... The man can't travel to Iran? I mean... That's what I'm... Just, and the fact, to me, the fact that he's been in jail for so long, um, well, held, he held in? in Miami, our jail. Come on. In Miami. Come on. Now, we, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Come on, come on. And the the arguments that are being imposed from, you know, the U.S. side is saying that, like, oh, his documents are fake, this and the other. They had a woman who's a clerical worker in Venezuela um, testify, and she is, you know, saying, like, this is just what I do for a living. Like, these are official documents. And then they're also suggesting that um, Juan Guaido has some, like, political influence and is... Had authority over Venezuela, and she goes. Guaido has never like this. This is someone whose job is to come in, you know, do work for the do. I don't know clerical work like a normal person, just a job. And she's like, the Guaido has never had (laughs) ninety days so far. A little bit more than that, I think. But are we even? Are we any better than Russia from that standpoint? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean dot, I'm just dot, saying. Dot. <laughs> okay, so so again, I don't uh, want to find out. Uh, no, hell no, we don't want to find out. <laughs> but but here's, but here's the thing, man. Uh, we have people who are being jailed, being killed. I mean, like for what? It, 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 and, and to to it, it, and it's all an effort to control communities. Or countries, or 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 better yet, people within countries for an agenda mm-hmm. that is that is that is not a very good agenda, right? Uh, it's what? good for the few. Yeah. Right, right. What is it? The one percent. <laughs> the one percent. The one uh, half. The one tenth. The one. <laughs> yeah, the one tenth of the one percent. Yeah, you know, this is this is. This is so bad. Before I, I get off the air, uh, though, I do want to... I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay, go ahead, please. I just want to announce, hopefully there's going to be an announcement about the Tampa Hope's homeless shelter. Uh, with the temperatures getting low, we needed that project to get started. Yes, it hasn't started, started yet. yet. Mm-hmm. And Unbelievable. It's probably due to... Supply chain shortages and all of that, but uh, there are 100 cottages that are still sitting there waiting to be constructed. The city has already approved $750,000 of city funds to get the project going, uh, and hopefully that there won't be more. There won't be any deaths due to the to cold. Uh, but we do need this project to get started. Hopefully, 
uh, January, sometime in January 2023, they'll give us an announcement as to when this project to get started. These are cottages that are supposed to be for homeless uh, and it's supposed to withstand Category 5 hurricane force winds. And we're just hoping this this gets started soon. Well, you know, they say the materials are there. They say the materials right. are out there. So it's like, why haven't you started? Like, uh, when, at what point is this going to get in the way remember during all the budget meetings when people were begging for money for housing <laughs> where's that where, and y'all were just like here's some pennies <laughs> unbelievable, right, right. unbelievable unbelievable listen folks listen hey this is the week before christmas am i right yeah the week before christmas or the week of christmas right mm -hmm. um we got seven days now i think seven days yeah yep. hey listen i want to say to everybody I want you to be safe. Whether you celebrate Christmas or not, doesn't matter to me. I want you to be safe. I want you to love on each other. I want you to love each other. I want you to stop all this silliness that's going on out there. Man, put the stop the violence. Stop the violence. Put just put it out of your mind. Peace, man. Peace. That's what we need. We want to protect our children, keep our children safe, keep our homes and our families safe. And as always, folks, we. You know, from my voice to the airwaves, from our voices to the airwaves, to the hearts and the minds of every single one of you out there, we love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum. Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, and Happy Kanaka from us and to coming you. Coming up next is the Postmodern Hoot Nanny on WMNF 88.5 in Tampa. With a big